Welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of low latency controller input. I'm your friend David Pierce, and I am currently on a scooter riding around my neighborhood trying to find a place that will sell print magazines. It's a long story, but basically, if you see a copy of New York Magazine with a full-page Vergecast ad in it, send me a picture. I really want to see it. Anyway, we have an awesome show for you today. We're going to talk to Tom Warren about the Steam Deck and the Nintendo Switch and the Logitech G Cloud Gaming Handheld, which is the worst name ever. But there's all kinds of interesting stuff happening with handheld gaming consoles, and we're going to get into all of it. We're also going to talk about scooters and how the way that we ride and try and buy them is changing, because it is changing. And we're going to talk about all of the tech events coming up in the next several weeks, because there are a ton of them. Product announcements, trials, other product announcements. It's going to be a big one. We're going to figure out what's interesting and what isn't. All that's coming up in just a second. But first, I got to get this scooter home because I'm down to one bar of battery and things could get bleak pretty quickly here. This is The Vergecast. See you in a sec. Support for today's show comes from Deloitte. What does the future look like? By melting business acumen and innovative technology, Deloitte can help you build the future only you can imagine. They can help engineer solutions for your business reality today and your vision for tomorrow to get you to a world where you don't just dream it, you build it. See how you can engineer advantage with Deloitte at Deloitte.com slash US slash engineering advantage. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back. So one of the most interesting things happening in the gaming world right now is that handheld consoles are making a big comeback. The Steam Deck and the Nintendo Switch have both been big hits, and now there's the new Logitech G Cloud Gaming Handheld, which is a terrible name, but seems to be a very interesting product. These are all an interesting confluence of a bunch of things. Faster chips, which mean you can do more with less hardware, new kinds of games, and maybe most of all, a really big push toward cloud gaming. The idea that most of the work done to show you video games should happen somewhere else and then just stream it to you like Netflix. It's a really interesting moment, and there's a lot more to come over the next few years in this space. So Tom Warren is here to talk about all of it. Hi, Tom. Thank you for being here. Hello, good to see you and good to be with you. There's like a bunch of things going on here simultaneously, which is kind of what I wanted to talk about. But I think the place I want to start is this weird new Logitech thing, the G Cloud handheld, which is, I think, like the all time worst game console name. Yeah. Put this thing in context for me. Like, why does this thing exist? What What is it here for? Yeah, that's that's probably my biggest question as well, actually. <laughs> um, so it's it's essentially an Android tablet. 
that will basically run any Android mobile game within reason, you know, because it doesn't have like the best chip inside. But really, that's not how they're marketing it. They're marketing it as a as a device that will connect up to cloud gaming streaming services like NVIDIA GeForce Now and obviously Xbox Cloud Gaming and stuff. Um, and they've worked with NVIDIA and Microsoft for this. But when they say they've worked with these two companies, it's pretty light work, okay. let's put it that way. But either way, it's, it's basically an Android tablet that connects up to cloud gaming. And that's the way that they kind of see the vision of the future of handhelds is that, you know, you're not necessarily going to be doing local compute and local gaming that you might want to play AAA games, you know, the games that you don't typically get on mobile, but that you don't want to do that on your phone with, you know, one of those clip on cases that's just going to drain your battery life and all this sort of stuff. So it's, it's kind of a bet, but it's an interestingly timed bet, I think. Yeah, let, let's talk about the timing of this, because I think that sort of overarching vision you just described makes tons of sense to me, mm-hmm. right? I think the the idea that like a video game yeah. should be an 80 gigabyte thing on a hard drive somewhere in my house, like just can't be the future. Like it just seems wrong to me that that is where all of this is headed. So in theory, the idea of cloud gaming, especially as these things become more sort of massively multiplayer and like like Fortnite should be a cloud game. That makes total sense to me. Yeah. But it does seem like... To some extent, this all might be happening before the world is ready for it, whether it's like the gaming industry or even like the Internet bandwidth. But everybody seems to be betting on it like right this minute. So like, what do you make of the timing of all this? That's definitely the best way to describe it, that it's not quite there yet. And I think with Logitech, they've obviously gone all in on the marketing of this being a cloud handheld and and really not even really talked about like the local installing Android games like you would on a bunch of this. Yeah, it's like on the side. They're like, oh, also it has YouTube. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> okay. oh. <laughs> um, so the marketing is a little bit, a little bit wonky there. I think it all comes back to how we perceive cloud at the moment. So I think a lot of the success that we've seen with cloud gaming is where it's an add-on. It's an optional thing. Mm. It's like a, a bonus, let's put it put it that way. But it's not the center of a service. So obviously Google tried with Stadia to put that as the center of your game. You know, it's the stadium basically of your, all your cloud gaming's visions essentially. But it didn't kind of work because people weren't really ready just to be always connected, always online to play these things. Right. And that kind of comes back to, to Logitech this thing only has Wi-Fi, so it doesn't have a SIM card inside. So, you, you know, you hop on a plane or a train or in your car or whatever. Instantly, you don't have connectivity. So it's, it, you fall back to whatever's installed on the device, right? So I think until that's all there, these kind of devices are a little bit too early, I think. I get the vision of them, but I think also the pricing here is a little bit of an awkwardly priced sort of model because it is t- it's 299 if you pre-order it but in reality it's 349 which sits perfectly in between the Nintendo Switch at 299 and then the, the Steam Deck at 399 so it's like who is this exactly for like right now in five years it makes sense maybe and, and probably the pricing would change but yeah like the infrastructure is not quite there and just I think the general selling of something is just cloud or like primarily cloud is just not quite the, the best way to market something right now. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I think even if it's true that most games people play require them to be online, which yeah. it's probably not like all the way true, but it's definitely more true than it was even a few years ago. The idea that all of a sudden my device is useless if I don't have an internet connection, it's actually it's like Chromebooks in a weird way, right? Yeah. Where it's like, do you need the internet to do anything useful on your laptop? Like, yes, of course. Does it still feel weird that your laptop is an absolute useless piece of junk if you don't have an internet connection? Also, yes. And so I feel like we're in this sort of weird middle space where like, even if it's true, the experience as you would get it, it just feels bad. 
the thing with Chromebooks is that we've probably all laughed at them like 10 years ago. It's just a browser and all that sort of stuff. But like now you live in the browser, like everything. Right. Browser technology has got so much better that, that you don't need those outside apps. So it's, it's less of a problem. But like a Chromebook, I'm not necessarily using in the back of a car, but like a kid who wants to play games is probably using that at the back of a car. So that, like this sort of device just isn't quite there for that, for like where the Nintendo Switch and even the, the Steam Deck has, has really sort of risen and in popularity and really proved that these powerful handheld gaming computers basically are on the way. This thing is kind of pulling away from that, that vision. But like, I think it is, you know, in 10 years, sure. That's the way things are heading. Like cloud gaming at the moment, I think NVIDIA's GeForce Now with the RTX 3080 edition or whatever they call it, that thing is probably the closest that we get to like actually, like I, I play that on my gaming PC here and like it's the closest thing to actually being legitimate competitive to that, which is quite a feat for cloud gaming at the moment. But until we until we get that like really aligned and the infrastructure and everything like that, it's just, it's just a little bit too early to, to, to rely on that, I think, right now. So with cloud gaming in general, one of the reasons I want to talk to you is like, I think you are a much more intense gamer than I am. So like I play cloud games and I play like, I play a lot of like FIFA and like Fall Guys, the kinds of games where like teeny tiny bits of input lag don't bother me. Yeah. And the story I've heard from people over and over and over again is that like actually input lag is not as hard a problem as you think because it's just this tiny piece of data that actually as long as you have pretty good downstream video, which increasingly lots and lots of people do, then then your input is actually not going to be the holdup over time. I have also heard and seen a lot of people who play much like faster Twitch, more mm-hmm. intense games say that that is a marketing lie and actually input lag is still a real problem and it's kind of holding this whole experience back. What do you make of it? So I think it all depends on what games you play and how you play them. Mm-hmm. So if you're used to playing on like a, a you know PS4 or an Xbox One on a TV that isn't OLED and you're used to that latency, then there will actually be very little difference between moving to cloud gaming because that TV has a bunch of latency anyway, and those those consoles do. So when you when you add up all that system latency versus all the network and display latency on cloud gaming, sometimes it's about the same. Um, so it's all what you perceive. So like imagine you have a one gig internet connection and that's what you're used to. And then someone else has, uh, you know, a hundred meg and that's what they're used to. You obviously have different expectations of the quality of your internet. Um, whereas those people won't have those expectations until they have that one gig. So it's, it's, it's also the same. So if you're a PC gamer and you have low latency, super quick games, uh, first person shooters, you go play cloud gaming, you're probably going to hate it because you're used to s- such low latency that like anything just feels laggy. But if you're the other way around, you're a console gamer, you don't have an OLED TV, which, you know, is super low latency it's all what you perceive and then those games like yeah like platformers all those sort of games that you usually use controller for you're not really going to notice latency as much but if you're playing a twitchy first person shoot you're playing fortnite you'll probably notice it more or call of duty as always, the rule is don't buy nice things because it ruins everything else for you. <laughs> yeah. That's that's basically the, that's basically the play here. <laughs> but yeah, like if you if you do have an old console and you're thinking, you know, should I upgrade to get an old console or should I go cloud gaming? Like it is surprisingly good now. It's getting there. It's just it all really does depend on your your latency at home, your internet connection, how far you are away from these servers as well, where you live in the world. Like it, that makes the biggest difference, really. So, and then on the handheld front, your point about the G Cloud handheld, which is, again, just the worst name, (laughs) being right in the middle of the Switch and the Steam Deck is really interesting because I do think like that seems to be sort of the spectrum. The Switch Mm -hmm. is like 
the simple thing with some kind of online capability. The Steam Deck is like the massively powerful PC in your hand and the G Cloud handheld is somewhere in the middle. And if I were a betting man, I feel like I would bet on the Stream Deck getting, sorry, the Steam Deck. God, these names. <laughs> I would bet on the Steam Deck getting smaller and cheaper and better quicker than some of these other devices can go in the other direction. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair because the Steam Deck is pretty it's pretty chunky. Mm-hmm. Um, the battery life is not very good. That's one thing that Logitech is is kind of really honing in on is these the battery life they have like twelve hours, which is kind of insane for a, a handheld. That'd be amazing. Yeah, like that that's that's great. Um but obviously it's all you're just basically streaming video on it. So Which is part of the appeal, right? Like the whole upside of cloud gaming is it's just all you need is a screen and a battery and all the hard work is being done somewhere else. But with the Steam Deck, like I have a Steam Deck. And I can do all this cloud gaming on there anyway. So like I, I get the benefits of that. It's it's not as obviously as easy to set up. It's it's a bit of a process because it's all Linux based and it's all just, you know, you feel like you're hacking sort of thing. Yeah. And it's not it's not as easy to use. But like it is definitely interesting that this this G Cloud gaming handheld thing is in the middle of those two price points because i think if the pricing was a little bit less there'd be less of a i've seen like a kind of reaction to it like whoa the price you know because it is a surprising price when you put it in in context of those two devices as well and like on this on the switch side it's very portable it's very usable and easy you know the usability is easy for anyone to pick it up and install stuff but the steam deck you know like that's unless you're playing just pure pc you know, Steam games, then you want to load on emulators or you want to get to cloud gaming. That gets a little bit more complicated right now. Yeah, yeah. The Steam Deck's a lot of work. Yeah, they've got some work to do <laughs> there on improving the user experience, but I don't know what Logitech would do to then go in the other way to sort of like more support local gaming. So they'd have to like beef up the processor a little bit and that obviously adds to the expense. So yeah, it's a little bit tricky in both directions, but it is just definitely interesting where, where it is in the middle. Totally. And the thing that amazes me the most is that Microsoft and Sony are for all intents and purposes, nowhere to be found here. I mean, it's, yeah. you've got to figure there's a handheld Xbox or like the PS Vita is going to come back, right? Like these have to be coming. Yeah, like I think with with Sony's case, their cloud gaming platform isn't quite there yet. You know, they they they've still got some work to do to, to, to make that a, a little bit better and a bit more usable. But in Microsoft's case, this is basically their Xbox handheld in a way. Like, I mean, they've kind of co-marketed with Logitech. It's like... Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. They've used a bunch of their marketing channels to sort of back this up, which they do a lot of the time with like close partners and stuff. But there is rumors of Xbox handhelds. There has been for like, as I don't know, like 10 years, you know, like it's just a constant rumor. And you have to imagine that if Microsoft was going to do an Xbox handheld, it would probably be similar to what Logitech's vision is here with, you know, a focus on cloud gaming because it, it just makes sense. So. Yeah. What is your sense within Microsoft? Because I think there's a sort of outside sense that cloud gaming and Game Pass are what Microsoft sees as like the future. Like that is that mm-hmm. is the big bet of all of this. But then obviously we're still in a point where contracts are complicated and the way that video games get made is having to change. And also Microsoft is out here like buying every gaming developer it can find. (laughs) So if if Microsoft is going to like lead the charge here and it kind of seems like it is, where are we headed? What's the next like year or so going to look like, do you think? 
Yeah, I mean, in the short term, I think it's very much of, of what it has been the last couple of years, which is their big focus on Game Pass, which is kind of what they've been pushing. But I think in the longer term, you can see where it's lining up. They want the industry to move to a model where they basically support game developers and studios. They'll come to them and say, look, if you put it on day one on Game Pass, we'll you know invest this amount of money into your game or help you with this amount of marketing, all that sort of stuff, which is deals that they've done traditionally in the past to have exclusivity or some sort of marketing rights over the game or even publishing it and all, all this sort of game industry uh, mechanics and I think that's where they're ultimately trying to push the industry towards and I think Sony's obviously pushing back on that they believe in their generations they believe in $70 games and you're paying for the game they obviously have launched their own subscription service but it's not quite matching the Xbox so they don't have day one releases there so they you know they're still generating their revenue individually on those big launch titles but I think it will push the industry in a interesting new way and also I think like not a lot of people have really talked about it but is is it good like is it good not to have ownership of your games like in the way that we don't really have ownership of music and fair question and movies and everything else like that ownership going away has never really been fully addressed in the digital space for like mp3s and, and music and 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 movies and everything else so like i can't sell you my copy of an album can i like i can't transfer it to you like easily right so i think there's a lot of things a lot of questions around that and like where gaming will head as a result of that but i think in the near term for microsoft is getting the game pass numbers up right and and xbox cloud gaming is just like an add-on on top of that so it's like we're everywhere you know as long as you've got a browser you can play our games and that's that's kind of their approach right now and i think ultimately it'll end up with like there'll be an xbox app on the playstation there'll be a playstation app on the xbox oh interesting that's kind of the way we must be heading surely like if this vision is true and they put billions of dollars into it that's the end goal i think for for, for all of them to have their own apps across everywhere you, where you get your exclusive content just like you do with Disney Plus, Netflix, you name it. So that's true. If if Apple will make Apple TV apps for other platforms, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're we're gonna be okay. Yeah. I will also say you just made you came dangerously close to like making the case for why the blockchain will fix video games. And I almost <laughs> oh, no. led you there, but we'll just we'll we'll stay away from that for a while. NFTs will save us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the last thing, and then and then I'll let you go, is the appeal of cloud gaming, again, is that like anything you have with a screen suddenly becomes a thing. And I feel like these controllers that attach to your phone have felt like a good idea to me for so long, and they don't really feel like they've caught on. And like Backbone has made these things. They're very nice. Razer is making them now. Is this a real market? Are people going to start to buy these in droves as cloud gaming picks up? Yeah, I think they will become more popular, but I do feel like, I mean, Alex wrote about this on the site like a few months ago before the Logitech G Cloud Gaming. Christ, trying to say that together is just... <laughs> it's terrible. It's yeah. Um, before Logitech announced their handheld. And she basically was arguing that, you know, these devices are great. You know, it's great access to, to cloud gaming through your phone and stuff, but it takes your battery. The screen size isn't always perfect. Like there's, you get a notification, you're out of the game. Like someone tries to phone you. All these considerations, which I think are very irritating if you actually do play cloud gaming on your phone regularly. Um, so I think the hardware is interesting. It's, it's a good stopgap, but we probably are heading towards, you know, these these dumb devices, even pucks in the living room, you know, like an Xbox. Microsoft's working on one of those already. They have an Xbox TV app. And I think there's a clear vision for the future of where things are going. And I think handhelds will definitely be a part of that. So like dedicated hardware, but cheap, simple hardware might be where a lot of this is headed. 
Yeah, I think dedicated hardware that has like the UI of that particular streaming service mixed in with, you know, some other third party apps like YouTube and all your sort of media content. That sort of stuff is is kind of interesting, particularly if they get the hardware right, you know, the controls and everything's quite lightweight. You can see why they'd want to do something like that. So I, I would not be surprised within the next couple of years if we see an Xbox handheld. It's just got to happen. Like, yeah. it's just got to happen. It seems so obvious to me that that would be a thing Microsoft to do. It's like they already make the Surface. It's like it's this take the Surface Go and make it an Xbox. It's like, there it is. <laughs> we did it. We fixed it for you. Yeah, like it just seems inevitable at this point, but it's just the timing, I think, would be when, when it makes sense. Because they, they've got a lot of work to do also on the back end for like Xbox Cloud Gaming to make it stream at 4K on the TV and stuff, because it's still sure. 1080p. So they, they've got a lot of platform work to do as well to, to get it to a certain point. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily impact the handheld so much at those resolutions, but they still they still got some latency work to do for sure. Okay, fair enough. All right, well, thank you, Tom. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and I'm going to tell you why I love scooters. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome back. I have to start this next segment by admitting something. I'm a scooter guy. This is still a slightly embarrassing fact to admit about myself. My wife in particular really likes to remind me of this one day when she saw me on the street and I was wearing sunglasses and AirPods and riding a bird scooter and the fly on my pants was down and I rode right past her and her friends and I think that moment was probably the most she ever regretted marrying me. But the thing is, scooters have been a huge help in my life. I was in San Francisco when Bird and Lime first showed up a few years ago, and I immediately started riding them almost every day. My apartment was a mile from the train, and on the other end, it was about a mile and a quarter to the office. And by scootering on either side instead of walking, I shaved like a half hour off of my commute each way every day for just a couple of dollars. It was amazing, and when I was done riding, I just got off the scooter and walked away. It was the perfect setup. 
But over the years, the whole rideshare scooter thing got to be less convenient. As they got more popular and more people started riding them, the scooter I left outside my office in the morning stopped being there at the end of the day. And then even when I found ones, it seemed like half the ones I found were out of battery or broken in some way or just not where the app said they were. But the biggest problem was scooters just got more expensive. The companies that made them needed to find ways to make more money, especially as they went public or got acquired by bigger companies. I actually went back through some of my recent rides, and the numbers really add up. I had a six-minute, 0.8-mile ride to my friend's place, which was $5.59, and the 1.7-mile ride from there back to the train was ten twenty-eight. I'm paying about five bucks a day just to ride from my house to the train a little less than a mile away. And I actually got a $20 fine from Bird the other day for apparently incorrectly locking my scooter. This all gets really expensive really fast. So I started looking around. Should I just buy a scooter for my commute and for all those quick runs to the grocery store and to pick up dinner? I found this company, Unagi, which makes a scooter called the Model 1 that I think is generally considered to be the best scooter on the market. Unagi scooter, a scooter with soul. But Unagi doesn't really want to sell you one, at least not at full price. It would much rather you subscribe to one for about $55 a month. I thought that whole setup was kind of odd. So I called up David Hyman, the CEO of Unagi, to convince me that renting a scooter is the move. We kind of envision our subscription service. It's like mailing a giant Netflix DVD mailer. They're so lightweight. That's kind of what helps make the model work. It shows up at your door in under 72 hours. If anything happens to it, we send you a new one. If you threw the box away, we send you an empty box and you send yours back. We don't make you wait to get yours repaired. You get a new one right away. People's transportation, they want it to be effortless. They don't want hassle. They don't want downtime. Car downtime sucks. David told me that this idea is really working. About 20 people subscribe to an Unagi scooter for every one that buys it outright. And the case he makes is pretty convincing. I don't want to care about maintenance. I don't even know that I'm going to want this scooter forever, so spending $1,000 on it seems crazy. But I do know that $55 a month is actually a lot less than I'm spending on scooter rides right now. More broadly, this is a real trend in the industry. Bird will happily sell you one of its scooters, for instance, and has tried a similar thing where you can pay extra to make sure there's always a bird nearby. But the thing I couldn't shake was the convenience part. It's so nice to just get off a scooter, lock it up, and then never think about it again. Not my problem. And now I'm supposed to lug this thing around and charge it myself and, like, carry it into the coffee shop with me? David said, yeah, it's a trade-off, but he thinks it's worth it. I always put it down next to me in a cafe. I bring it into a movie theater and put it in the aisle, throw it in the shopping cart at the supermarket. That's how I handle it. It's not ideal. Really, when I go to a restaurant, nobody cares. But one day, if everyone were to do this, restaurants would start going, no, we're not going to have 20 scooters in the restaurant. You know what this means, right? This means valet scooter parking is going to be a thing. What a world we live in, my friends. Anyway, I ended up giving it a shot. I went to Unagi's website and forked over $55 a month plus a $50 setup fee to get a scooter. This was, I think, 4th of July weekend or thereabouts. I've been riding it around all summer, and I have to say, I think Unagi is onto something here. Yes, it is, in fact, a little annoying to have to carry the scooter onto the train, and the person at my hair salon the other day was very confused about why I wanted to bring my scooter inside. 
but it feels like a worthwhile trade just to have the scooter there whenever I need it. It weighs about 28 pounds, which will sound like a lot to some people and not much to others, but to me, it's been okay to carry around at least for small bits of time. I'm more of a scooter guy than ever after the last few months, and I'm still a pretty happy Unagi subscriber. $55 a month sounds really steep, but it's been easily worth it for me. The math totally pans out in my case. And now, Unagi also has a new scooter called the Model 1 Voyager, which David told me he hopes will convince even more people to buy into the scooter lifestyle. It's a little heavier, but it's faster and works better and has more range, and the idea is it's much more of a commuter vehicle. More broadly, though, the idea of vehicle subscriptions is totally fascinating to me. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it going forward, especially as new kinds of vehicles keep being introduced into our lives. Like, here's Lee Hang Nong, the CEO of a mobility company called Nimbus. The ability to use a vehicle like this and not have to commit to an ownership is, like, really appealing. Combine that with the convenience of getting the vehicle delivered to you. You don't have to think about, like, when you buy a car, you have to go to the DMV, you have to get insurance, all that stuff. If that's taken care of for you as well, that's, like, really convenient and really nice Nimbus makes a vehicle called the Nimbus One, which is this futuristic-looking thing that's kind of a cross between a tricycle and a car. It's this super skinny thing with one seat and three wheels, and you sit inside it and drive it with a steering wheel, but it tilts as it goes like a motorcycle. We call it a pod, P-O-D, because we don't think it's a car. We want to stay away from that paradigm. Whatever you call it, it's not available for sale yet. But when it is, you'll be able to buy one for about 10 grand or subscribe to one for a couple hundred bucks a month. Or if you don't want to do that, just grab one off the street whenever you need one for a few minutes. Nimbus wants to do all the things, all the ways. Rent by the minute, free floating, that's really convenient, but it's going to cost a little bit more because you're basically paying someone to like move it for you right, and charge it for you. So that's going to add a little bit more to the cost. But if you're in a hurry, you don't really care. If you're using something day to day, then you want that vehicle to be yours. There's a big galaxy brain take in there somewhere about the end of ownership and the fact that people are increasingly willing to pay for convenience rather than having something that's permanently theirs. I tend to agree with Lee Hang's take, though, that the answer is actually lots of business models and lots of different systems for lots of different things. And weirdly, over the last few months, I've now been thinking about that subscription spectrum with almost everything in my life. What do I want to own? What do I want to rent? And what do I want to just be there occasionally when I need it? I should probably just buy The Office because I watch that constantly. I'll subscribe to YouTube TV in the fall because I need football, and then I'll cancel that. And then I can just pay $10 for a month of Showtime when a new season of Yellow Jackets drops and then cancel when I'm done. I don't even really own my phone, but I pay $50 or so a month and I get one and then I can upgrade it every year. So that works. I don't know that I need to own my phone, but I do own my computer because that thing better last me a decade. And I also want to keep it around just in case, even after that. In so many places in our lives, there's going to be a spectrum of ways to own, subscribe, rent, borrow, everything else. And then also a lot of companies competing to help you manage all that stuff in a way that makes sense. This all feels new and different and expensive, but I kind of think it's fascinating. And I asked David from Unagi how far he thinks this will go. 
He's been in subscriptions forever. He was early in the streaming music game. He founded Mog, which became Beats Music, which became Apple Music. And he's seen a lot about how people's feelings about music ownership and everything else ownership has changed. People don't buy CDs anymore. So is everything going that way? I don't think it works across all hardware. There's a whole bunch of numbers involved, like the cost to acquire a customer, what the churn rate is, cost of servicing. The fact that the scooter is lightweight and that we can ship them small parcel back and forth is kind of a cornerstone to making our model work. I don't think it works for electric bikes. They're too heavy. The cost to ship them back and forth and the fact that they have so many moving parts with derailers and gears, I think both for shipping and servicing them, those costs will break the model. You know, I think it's going to be very industry specific. We're really at much the forefront of this hardware as a service category that's going to, I think, grow a lot in the next 10 to 20 years. I'm still torn about all of this, honestly, because part of me thinks it is just too expensive and complicated and that maybe we should just go back to buying things and taking care of them and just a simpler idea of how we think about our stuff. But I also like the idea that when it gets cold here in D.C. and I don't want to ride this scooter for six months, it won't cost me a nickel until I want to get back on. Only paying for things when you actually use them? I like that a lot. Okay, we need to take one more break and then we're gonna come back and go through all of the tech announcements that are coming in the next several weeks because there's a lot coming. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back. So today, September 28th, is the beginning of just a crazy run of tech events over the next several weeks. And honestly, my head is totally spinning about what's coming, whether any of it matters, what I should buy, what I should care about, and what I should be watching out for. So I brought in my co-hosts, Neil Patel and Alex Kranz, to help me figure it out. Neil and Alex, thank you for coming to me in this trying time of mine. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm here for you, buddy. <laughs> we're here. I didn't tell you either of you what we're doing here because uh, you would not have come if I told you. So the, the <laughs> shtick of what we're going to do here is I have a list of 10 
producty, launchy things coming in the next four weeks. Oh boy! And we're just going to blast through them, and we will talk about them in as much or as little detail as we want to. So we're going to read your calendar together. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you which flights I'm taking for each one. Of them. <laughs> okay, and the good news is we're, we start very quickly because I think we can get past this one pretty fast. The first one coming up is today, the day a lot of people will be hearing this episode. Wednesday, September 28th is Google's big search on search event. This is the thing they do every year where they talk about search. Do we care? Are we interested? Do either of you have anything you're interested or curious about from this event this year? I always want to know how many search results Google is going to keep for itself. Mm. And I feel like they should just announce that at the top of the search on event. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Be like, we're sending less traffic to people who use our search engine every day. And this year we've turned the knob and now we're keeping 80% of the traffic. They probably do have that number, don't they? Like that is somewhere that they know. They have to have that number. Because that's how like they make money. They keep the traffic. And David, you just wrote the piece about um, using TikTok as your primary search engine. And it was like, fine. Mm -hmm. And I think Google knows this. Yes. And a, a huge problem with the experience of using Google right now is everybody is trying to game the search engine. So if you search for how to do something you end up with a page that has been written for a robot instead of a person. The classic example is if you search for a recipe, you end up with like a personal essay. Yeah. It's there to game the search engine. Right. And the people who make those pages will tell you that. I actually wrote a story about that a couple of years ago where I was basically like, why are all recipe web pages awful in exactly the same way? And every single one of them was like, eh, it's just SEO. Like if I don't do it, literally no one will find me. So I have to write 2000 words about how my day went before I get to the recipe or else Google literally will pretend I don't exist. Yeah. And then you like search for the recipe on TikTok and someone's like, here it is in two minutes. Exactly. <laughs> Pause if you want to see the ingredients. But how do you know if those recipes are good? That's why I like the I like the little essay. <laughs> I'm I'm like, I'm why Google does this. Yeah. I wanna know I wanna know how much love your mom put into that biscuit recipe. What was up with the pioneer woman this week? <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah, but I think this is like the real challenge for Google because the more of it they keep and the more they synthesize the result into directly the thing, the more it cuts against. Oh, decades of how people have thought about Google as a search engine and how to participate. And in a real way, like the, the thing I'm curious about is like Google as the homepage of the Internet is a thing that I think Google has always tried to play down. But every time like for that TikTok thing, I went and looked at a bunch of studies and it's like the most popular search terms are like the word Facebook and the word Google and the word YouTube. And that's just that's <laughs> like how people explore the Internet. They like type the thing they want into Google and then go that way. And that is like a level of power especially as Google starts to pull that stuff back for itself, that it's going to get even crazier. People typing TikTok into Google and getting YouTube shorts is, whew. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. It's going to be a game that gets played. It's coming. That's beautiful. Okay, next one. The same day, also today, is Amazon's whatever product announcement it's going to be. I call this one the the traditional like spaghetti throwing day by Amazon, where they're just yeah. like, here's some things that exist that have Alexa inside. It's like 48 different microwaves right. that all have Alexa. It's always hard to know. They're going to change the Echo. The holidays are coming. So last year it was a sphere. This year I'm hoping for cube. <laughs> Why not? Really sharp edges. This one's called a rhombus. Like, just do whatever you want to do. Like, I mean, that's the thing. They haven't added capabilities to it in a year. And I, I don't think they will because it's still hardware. And then it's like whatever else they can put Alexa in. And maybe some ring cameras. Right? I just assume they're going to talk a lot about football. I mean, a robot. We could get another robot. Does anyone have the Astro? Did that work? Like, ha has this thing resurfaced at all since it was initially announced? I think the only people who have Astros are people who had to review them. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people want them. But they, 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 look, Amazon has to solve the problem of what is Alexa good for beyond sending a timer and 
maybe some smart home automations. I'm hopeful we hear a bunch of stuff about matter, mm. which expands that universe of smart home stuff, but we'll see. Yeah. I do think of all of these, it was very funny because Amazon is the one that literally could go absolutely any direction, uh, which kind of makes those events fun because you yeah. just, you just never know. Like it, it, they could announce anything and it would not surprise me. Except for every year, I'm like, this year they will announce a Kindle at this event. And every year they were like, we will not <laughs> announce a Kindle at this event. Okay, next one is on Friday, I believe, is Tesla's AI day. I assume more robots. So Elon has promised they're going to show off a prototype of this robot, right? Oh, he has. Oh, okay. The hype machine is like off to the races. Will it be a person dancing, pretending to be a robot again? Last year, it was a guy in a, in a in like a bunny suit. Not a bunny yeah. suit. What's that thing called? The unitard. Yeah. He was just in a unitard, like just in a unitard and a mask doing his little dance. It was very confusing. I mean, in you know, in the classic Elon way, also hilarious. Like Elon knew it was a guy in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> well, was he fooling anyone? Who knows? <laughs> We're supposed to see it and it's supposed to do. Right, we'll see. I don't think they're actually going to show a robot that can do anything other than stumble. Like how many Honda robots have we seen in our lives? I do not think we will see a robot that does anything more substantial than maybe wave. Yeah. Because like walking is really hard for robots. And if they do the like the Honda Sony robot that looks like it's pooping itself, like Tesla can't right. afford to do that. Yeah. I mean, look, the bar here is Boston and Annex is like, these robots can dance and maybe murder you. Right. <laughs> it's like this, this robot dog can run up a flight of stairs, open a door and then like do a full choreographed dance routine. <laughs> also, we're not saying we haven't put a gun on it. Right. Like <laughs> that's the bar of robots. This one doesn't have a gun, but here's where it would go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the little hand. We'll see. Elon's got to hit the Boston Dynamics special. That's what I'm saying before before we can say we're so, so impressed. Yeah, the, the Verge's official stance on this is that it is absolute vaporware until proven otherwise, right? Like, I, I remember the stories from last year that were basically like, just to be clear, everybody, this is probably nothing. Yeah. Let's all move on with our lives. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. It's the Hyperloop of robots. <laughs> remember when they announced a full Hyperloop in the city of Chicago? <laughs> And they're like, this will get you to the airport so fast. Everyone's like, the blue line. Just make the blue line good. There's no hyperloop in Chicago. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, okay, next one. October 6th, like a week from now, is Google's Pixel 7 Pixel Watch event. And I feel like that one we know everything about. Google has just resorted to the strategy of just like leaking its own things to death. Yeah, it's just announced. the It's like making videos for the Pixel Watch you can go watch. Yeah. So V thinks that the videos are hiding the world's biggest bezel. Oh, is that why they're all dark? All the backgrounds are always dark? She's like, I guarantee you there's the world, world's biggest bezel on this thing. So that's one thing I'm curious about. I'm so, okay. Oh, wow. They've got to differentiate against Samsung, which is running the same operating system now, which is curious, right? Like, how are they going to do it without pissing off their partner? Who knows? I just want to see what the battery life on this thing is like, because Wear OS does not have a great history here. I'm kind of excited about the tablet. It's been a while since they made a tablet, and that one was bad. Maybe this one could be good. I don't like. I think I think Chrome OS and Android both make sense for a tablet. So I, I like. I want it to succeed, just because it seems like a, a normal place for a tablet to exist. But it has to actually not suck, and that's been historically very very difficult for all the different parts of Google to do. Yeah, 
Part of me wonders, like with the news about the Pixelbook from a couple of weeks ago, like if Google hadn't announced all of this stuff already in June, if it would still be planning to ship all of these things in their current form, like the tablet in particular, seems like it would be a very easy one for Google to just sort of nope out of, except that it already announced it's doing it and they can't bail again, at least not yet. They'll bail again in a year <laughs> and a half. But I am curious to see how much they talk about the tablet and how much it feels like a thing they care about as opposed to like, oh, and also look, it's a tablet. You can have one. I will be surprised if they spend more than five minutes on the tablet. All right. Over under, they spend more time on the tablet or more time on RCS? I bet on RCS. I think I bet on RCS. <laughs> yeah. Because it's also like, it's a fun knife that Google gets to twist now. And especially after what Tim Cook said a couple weeks ago at Code, this is a moment like Google does not get a lot of like moral high ground moments in the fight against Apple. Uh, and this is one that I suspect Google's going to just absolutely milk the hell out of. That'll be fun. It's a bold prediction that they're going to spend more time making fun of Apple than announcing their own product. But I'm with you. I think that's true as well. <laughs> that might just be hopeful rather than an actual <laughs> prediction. <laughs> But I'm definitely hoping for it. Okay, so next up, another thing that I think we actually know quite a bit about is uh, October 11th. There's, I believe it's called Meta Connect now. It used to be Oculus Connect. Now it's Meta Connect. And I think the thing that we know is coming, there will presumably be other stuff, but we know that this is when Project Cambria, their high-end VR headset, is coming, right? Yeah. You think? We know? Yeah. I mean, we've seen the thing. Yeah. This has also been, it was left I'm making the most sarcastic of quotes with my fingers. It was left <laughs> in a hotel where someone right. found it, and that someone was Mark Zuckerberg on the Joe Rogan <laughs> experience. Like, yeah, so it was left, people found it, it showed up on Reddit. Separately, Zuckerberg went on the Joe Rogan experience, and Joe Rogan got to play with it. It appears, that's what they made it sound like. Okay. They did kickboxing together. Are we interested, do we care about this? I can't decide on the spectrum of like those crazy like Microsoft prototype headsets that they were like, these cost a million dollars and six people will ever buy them, but they have cool technology, all the way down to like, a Quest 3, which I would be very excited about, like where on the spectrum I feel like we should be. I mean, I think it depends on how good the fidelity, the visual fidelity of the thing is, right? That's the point where people who have adopted VR, which is what, more than 4 million people have, have picked up a Quest headset at this point. Like that's a decent little market of folks. And if they can make something that is visually interesting, that's a step up, kind of like consoles used to be a step up every time you bought a new console. That's a deal. That's cool. We're going into the holidays. Yeah. And this is a thing that you can buy a tech person in your life that they probably don't already have, which is, I think, why the Quest 2 was so successful, because it was reasonably cheap. A hundred percent. And if you have like a gearhead in your life, you like buy them and it's cool. Like the thing works. It's a great. I think the Quest 2 is a great product. I agree. I think the question is, um, is the Quest Pro going to be like the same size and more capable, like have more features, more visual fidelity, or do they make it smaller and better? Because right. if you leave it the same size, you could do a lot in that case. But that it's the Quest Two is still pretty big. Yeah, like it's not comfortable to wear for a long time. But if you add a bunch of features to it, then you're like, you should wear it for a long time. But then it's still too heavy. So like, there's a little trade off inside of the size and it's it's like horsepower that you got to make. That I don't think Facebook has figured out yet. That's the thing I'm most curious about. Well, and as Facebook, is, as Meta, I guess, has talked about all these different prototypes they're working on and stuff, they're pushing in every direction of that all at once, right? It's the mm -hmm. like, how do we do more in the space? How do we make it smaller? How do we make it the same size but lighter? And it's going to be interesting to see which one they picked to actually be a thing that people put on their heads. It's a real yeah. like statement of intent, which direction they want to go with this. What I think they should do is come out with a ceiling mount that holds your head up while you're wearing the heavy headset and you're just kind of like tethered <laughs> to the ceiling, just kind of floating along. Wasn't that the original... The, the original headset, like the very first VR headset was tethered to the ceiling. But with like a cable. I don't think it was like being held. 
So it like it basically it's like a chandelier and you just sort of get into it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then you've got and you're doing like a like a wire foo kind of thing. <laughs> just like floating around in space. Oh, I love this. It solves all kinds of problems. You can have legs then. Who needs legs? You're floating. <laughs> you're just kicking. You're just doing kicks. That's good. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. That's what's coming. <laughs> okay. And then the following day, Microsoft is having a Surface event. And I believe, if my math is not mistaken, this is the 10-year anniversary of Surface, which I think presumably means this is going to be something. I feel like Microsoft is a company that likes anniversaries. So I would not be surprised if there's like some real meaningful new hardware here. Yeah. They've kind of given up on the dual screen. They flirted with dual screen and then they stepped back from it. Dan Seifert loves his duo. But not as his main phone. Yeah, it's just the most expensive ebook reader of all time. It's perfect. He could never make fun of any of the e-readers <laughs> I've bought this year, given that he owns that one e-reader. But yeah, no, I think like we're, we're due a refresh on the Duo, but I think the Surface is, you know, Microsoft, give them credit, they did create this entire new form factor, like this whole new category of computing devices. Are they going to do something weird there? Or is it just going to be like even sleeker, even thinner and nicer, but also a full Windows machine? Well, and the thing they're pushing up against is that there was the big PC market acceleration in the pandemic two years ago. Yeah. That is now just slowed down. Right. So a lot of people who are going to buy laptops and PCs over a long timeline all bought them at the same time. And now it's like they all have them. So convincing someone to upgrade from the great laptop they bought last year is actually pretty challenging. So we'll see. Yeah. But I bet they do something cool for the end. I mean, you know, Panos is going to have a time. The Surface Go, maybe? That was their, their really small one. That's cool. And I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement on that device. That's the one. I feel like the Surface Pro is like great. And we'll just keep getting sort of iterative upgrades forever. Same with the Surface laptop. Surface Book, you could do some cool stuff with. But I agree. I feel like the Go is the one that is like just not nearly as good as it ought to be and could be much more interesting. Well, the thing I want is a kick-ass Surface Studio, the big desktop that folds down. Yes. They keep nerfing the processor in that thing. One with a processor that actually came out this year. Yeah, that's basically what I'm looking for. Yeah. That's a lot to ask for. Okay, next up, we have four more to get through, but I think a couple of these we'll, we'll do very quickly. Uh, I wrote down, there's a Samsung developer conference the same day as the Surface thing. Does anything ever come out of the Samsung developer conference? I have honestly no memory of this. <laughs> Bixby. This is the year, boys. <laughs> this is the year. Come on. No, I, I declined to engage. There we go. Uh, okay, and then October 17th, this one only half counts, but we're going to cover it a lot, so we're going to talk about it anyway, is when the Elon Musk Twitter trial, if it's going to happen, starts. And I feel like every day we get closer to it, it seems more likely that it's actually going to happen. We're all moving to Delaware. It's going to be a whole thing. Did we redesign our entire site to better cover the Elon Musk Twitter trial? Maybe. Not entirely untrue. <laughs> Who can say? Do we have any inkling that this trial isn't going to happen? I feel like this is it has slowed down. The last few weeks, it has like it's sort of the calm before the storm, it feels like. It's absolutely happening. Like, they want him to buy it. He doesn't want to buy it. <laughs> Nothing's changed there. The economy has not gotten better. <laughs> Nothing's going to change yeah. there. And the people who run Twitter seem less and less interested in running Twitter by the day. That's real. It's definitely going to trial. Will they settle after the first day? Right? Like, he's being deposed this week or next, I think. Right? His deposition happens. I mean, I think he's going to want to fight it. But at some point, money solves this case. Yes. And so yes. it's just a question of how much money Elon pays for what. My only ask is that if this does settle, it would be a real bummer from like an interesting story perspective if it settles ahead of the trial. But if it does, my only request is that he pay with one of those like big giant novelty checks <laughs> just because yeah. that feels 
That feels like Elon. Yeah. Delivered by a guy in a robot suit. Yeah, right. Delivered by a guy in a robot suit <laughs> in a self-driving car that doesn't really self-drive, but just sort of like flings past the Twitter office in San Francisco. This all sounds good. Um, okay. Then there is Adobe Max, which uh, I would not always include on this list because it tends to get very sort of arcane in this stuff. But I feel like after the, the Figma acquisition, Adobe is probably going to talk an awful lot about the internet at Adobe Max and all the stuff that they're doing to make their stuff more accessible to more people. And I think this might be a really interesting year for creator tools. That event is always kind of cool because they'll be like, here's something that will maybe come to Photoshop <laughs> four years from now. And isn't it incredible? We can replace your, your grandmother <laughs> with your grandfather in this photo. All you have to do is click. And I always, like, I love all those demos. They're, they're just wild. And then occasionally they come and they are nothing like what I saw in the demo, and it's much harder to do, but it's great. But if they can start bringing those tools, a lot of the, like, a lot right now, Photoshop, the online kind of versions of Photoshop, the, the ones on iOS and everything else, still have nowhere near the same amount of features as what you get with the full, the whole shebang. And they need to close that gap. This was a, th a thing that Scott Belsky, who's the chief product officer at Adobe, was saying, because people aren't reasonably mad about Photoshop pushing you towards Photoshop cloud files now instead of spitting out PSDs. And like, you can still get the PSDs, but it, yeah. like, it wants you to do the cloud thing. And he was like, in order to make Photoshop on iPad and the web more powerful and then compete with things like Figma, you need the files to live in the cloud. And it's just like, okay, whew, that's a big battleship to turn, right? Like this is the Microsoft Excel toolbar. Like yeah. every button that you might want to remove there is 10 million people who are going to be mad at you. And who use your tool literally for a living. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can't can't mess with it. Uh, we'll yeah. see if they talk about Figma. I think my prediction for Adobe Max, uh, I agree with you, Alex. Adobe Max and SIGGRAPH are like my two favorite shows of the year. <laughs> Just like watching what people can do with yeah. creative tools is amazing. They're going to talk a lot about AI art, right? They have to. It's, oh, the, yeah. it's the thing, right? They're going to talk about stable diffusion and Dolly and all, all the rest of it. I think that's going to be really fun. It does seem like at some point it would be weird for Adobe not to do that, right? Like that is the next obvious turn for Adobe here is like, oh, you don't want to learn how to use Photoshop? No problem. Just type into this prompt in Photoshop and it, we will do it. Yeah, for you. exactly. Be like, yeah. family who loves me, <laughs> push the button, spits it right out at Niagara Falls. Great, done. And then you're like, sell it as an NFT. And like, you're just a, a one man hype band all, all in the comfort of your own home. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, okay, and then last one, and I put this one at the end because we don't really know when it's happening or if it's happening or in what way it's going to happen. But there is a bunch of Apple stuff that we are assuming is yet to launch. Some more iPads, maybe iMacs, maybe some other headphones. I don't know. But then there was the report from Mark Gurman at Bloomberg saying that instead of an event in October, Apple might just do a trickle of press releases and stuff. Is there anything exciting left this year that we think we're waiting for? I mean, it's mainly going to be processor upgrades, right? Like the iPad Pro will go from an M1 to an M2, I would assume. Same with the iMacs. The iPad is do something, but they haven't redesigned it. Like they seem very content with how the iPad is. So when, when he wrote that piece, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, so but there's no Mac Pro with an M series chip in it yet. There's Mac Studio, which is people love, but there's no Mac Pro. And they've hinted towards the Mac Pro, which makes us think at some point that is coming. Aren't we owed the Mac Pro? Didn't they say they were finishing the Switch? Yeah, he said like the only one left is the Mac Pro. And then it was like, but that's for another day or something like that. Yep. So like it's coming. The fact that you can just like buy an 18 core Xeon tower from Apple right now is like very funny. Yeah. 
Like you can definitely just buy. I'm yeah. specking one out right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, the MacBook Pros, my M1 Pro MacBook Pro is like the best computer I've ever made. There, there's almost nothing you could add to that machine that would make me upgrade. More battery life, but like it's great. So I, I think like M2 Pros as an upgrade or M2 Maxes as an upgrade for those machines, I think that does seem press releasey, right? Like th- that's a benchmark story. Okay. Then I think the iMac, you could build a bigger screen iMac. That might be an event, but you could also just send those out to a bunch of people. Yeah. You just say, look, the iMac we have, it's it's bigger now. Although I do know a number of people who are anxiously awaiting the return of the 27-inch iMac, which I don't know if it's ever going to happen or if it's going to happen in October, but that would be big news in in certain circles. Again, as the person who's currently recording this on a 2015 27-inch iMac. Woof. <laughs> It's great. It has 32 gigs of RAM. And if you're, it can be, I'm just telling you, everyone, this, if you just shove as much RAM into the computer as you can get at the outset, it will last forever. That's basically true. You can't yeah. kill this machine because it has 32 gigs of RAM. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, I think all this stuff, even an M2 iPad Pro, we're in the heart of that product's design cycle, right? They're not going to change the way it looks. Yeah. So I think fundamentally you get the new stuff when the way it looks changes. All right. Out of all of this, is there any one thing you're like most anticipating, curious about, looking forward to, excited about? Alex, do you have anything? The iPad Pro, because I need to update mine. And I didn't want the first generation because the first generation always makes me sad. You just want stage manager so bad. This is why they're not doing an event. They know they can't demo stage manager in person to a group of people. They can't have us in the Steve Jobs theater trying to use stage manager. Craig Federighi steadfastly refused to say piles on stage ever again. So they can't do it. It's like, we're not doing this. That's a good one. I, I would say that's exciting. I'm, I would say I'm excited for the Pixel event. Okay. I want, I want to see how they're going to, you know, for the 50th time, how they're going to convince us that they're for real this time. This is the year. And instead of writing that story for us at The Verge, Dieter is now at Google to preemptively shape that story. <laughs> so we'll see. But I'm ex- I mean, the watch is a big deal. Like they bought Fitbit. The promise of this product was an entire acquisition. So I'm curious. Yeah, that's mine too. The the watch and specifically the fitness stuff they try to put into it because like Fitbit has meant a lot to a lot of people for a really long time. And whether Google A can be good stewards of that and B like push that along in useful ways is gonna be super interesting. I mean, that's really what I want to know. It's like, why am I excited? If the bezel on the tablet is any indication, the watch is gonna be like two thirds bezel, one third screen is what it seems to be. That seems to be Google's move for a lot of its first gen <laughs> stuff. It's really, it's good times. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, why am I excited for this event? So I can hear V from, you know, 100 miles away screaming, I told you so. <laughs> okay, as you can tell, there is a lot coming in the next few weeks. But that's it for the Vergecast today. Thank you so much for listening. As always, there is a lot more coverage on everything we talked about at our still newly redesigned website, theverge.com. You can follow all of us on Twitter. Tom is Tom Warren. Alex is Alex H. Kranz. Neelai is Reckless. And I'm Pierce. This show is produced by Andrew Marino and Liam James. Nori Donovan is our executive producer. And Brooke Minters is our editorial director of audio. The Vergecast is a Verge production and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. If you have thoughts, feedback, feelings, jingles, scooter ideas, you can always email us at vergecast at theverge.com. Also, we are getting an episode ready all about cybersecurity for later in October. And we're going to do a full-on call-in show answering all of your weirdest cybersecurity questions. So if you have something you can't figure out, or better yet, have a crazy internet cybersecurity mystery you can't solve, 
call us, 866-VERGE-11, or send us a voice memo to vergecast at theverge.com, and we'll get back to you if we think we can help. Alex, Neil, and I will be back on Friday to talk about Google, Amazon, and a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll see you then. Rock and roll.